Man, look at you champions today. Man, we know who the true warriors are in Maine today, don't we? <laughs> Man, thank you guys so much for coming. You, you know, today, today's one of those mornings where you wake up and you go, okay, God, I don't even know if anybody's going to come today, but man, it's just, man, thank you for coming. It means the world. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. And uh, let, let me just maybe say this before we, uh, before we get rolling. I love it when we come to pre-service prayer. We have pre-service prayer here. Uh, I think it starts at 8.30, 8.45, whatever it is. And anyways, this morning we, instead of doing kind of like how we normally do, normally we come in a circle and we just kind of say a prayer and then kind of all disperse and kind of pray and then we kind of close at the end. But, but this morning we all just kind of grouped together and stayed there the whole time. And what I loved is, is uh, you know, didn't really tell anybody what I was preaching. Nobody's seen what I'm preaching other than the person that's kind of preparing the notes. And uh, one by one, as people prayed out, they were praying stuff that is in the message today. And uh, that stuff's encouraging, but I say that for only the reason not to somehow pat myself on the back. I'm saying that to simply for you guys to go, man, listen up. Clearly, God wants to say something today. Amen. And, uh, and so I would encourage you to do this, and I, I've said this many times, but um, I love what the Bible says in Hebrews. It says that basically that there was people that heard the word of God, and, uh, and they didn't hear it in faith, therefore it didn't benefit them at all. But the Bible says that those who hear the word of God, which is the Bible, and they hear it with faith, that it profits them greatly. So today, just, just turn your faith up a notch and just say, God talked to me. Amen? Is that all right? All right, so listen, if you're taking notes today, the title of today's message is simply this, Faith in the Middle, Faith in the Middle. Let's pray and we'll get rolling here. So, Father, we thank you today, God, that you have, God, that you've given us faith. Father, and we just pray that today, God, that just in this room, that our lives would be built on faith in a greater way than it's ever been before. And so, Lord, thank you today that you uh, obviously have a clear message that you desire to speak to our hearts. And, Lord, we just say today, God, that our hearts are open. God, our ears are open. Our eyes are open. God, we want to encounter you today. God, we didn't come in this place to encounter church. We came to encounter you. And so, Father, today, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and, and just moving in people's hearts. Once again, we thank you that today that, uh, God, we're not here by accident, but, God, you brought us here because, Lord, you desire to tell us something. And so, Lord, we just refuse, God, in our own hearts to leave this place unchanged today. So, God, wherever we're at, Father, I just pray that uh, if there's doubt, God, that that would be replaced with faith. And, God, if we're in a position where we think, man, we know it all, Father, thank you, God, for just showing us today we don't. And, uh, Lord, thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, uh, 600 years, we're going to dive right in today. Uh, 600 years before Jesus came in the flesh, God gave the prophet Habakkuk a, a revelation that accurately captures the basis or the heart of our walk with God. And I want to show you this verse. Uh, it's found in Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk 2.4, it simply says this. It says, the just shall live by his faith. Wave your hand at me if you've ever heard that scripture before. That the just shall live by his faith. If I can add maybe some New Covenant or New Testament language to that. It says the just. In other words, those are the ones who have been justified. Those are the ones that have been declared not guilty by God. Isn't that great news? Because of what Jesus has done, we've been declared not guilty. So it says those kind of people shall live. And if you actually read in the Hebrew language, it says that they shall live continuously by faith. Now, if we can fast forward a few hundred years to after Jesus came, let's just say Jesus came, Jesus obviously died upon the cross, he rose again, and we know that after that, the, the church was established. And so, once again, hundreds of years later, after Habakkuk gave us this, this prophecy, this revelation, we find Paul reminding the church in Rome those very words. Look at this with me, Romans 1, 16 through 17. 
It says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Isn't that good news? Then it says, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Then it says in verse 17, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. It says, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith, as the scriptures say. And here's uh, Habakkuk's revelation. Here's what Paul says, that the just shall live, once again, continuously by what? By faith. So this morning we're going to turn our attention to this central theme of the gospel message that you and I, the very center, very core piece of our waltz with God is this, is that we're supposed to live continually by faith. So, so we can kind of get the uh, ball rolling in the right direction this morning. I uh, actually want to draw your attention to verse 17. He, he says this, talking about our walk with God is accomplished or it is achieved from start to finish by what? By faith. So this is the part, once again, start to finish. This is the part right here that I think Habakkuk was referring to when he prophesied that we shall live by faith. And this is the part right here, too, that I think most Christians struggle and wrestle with today. And uh, let me kind of explain this. I think as believers, we don't struggle necessarily with the start of our walk with God because we believe what? We believe what the Bible says in Romans, that God has given every person a measurement of faith, which is what? For salvation, right? So somewhere along the lines, you and I heard the message of God. We heard that the gospel. We heard that Jesus died. He was buried. He was resurrected. And we believed once again in faith. And the Bible goes on to say, we all know it, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith, right? So we don't struggle with the fact that we all started or came to the family of God by faith. Isn't that true? We all know that we say by faith, we didn't have anything to do with it. Likewise, as believers, we don't struggle with the finish part either. And the reason is, is because we believe what Jesus said in John 14. He simply said, in my father's house, there's many rooms or many mansions. And he said, and I go to prepare a place for you. And guess what? One day I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you so you can be where I am. And so it's through that kind of that, uh, just to understand that we believe that. Guess what? We don't struggle with how we're going to finish. We don't struggle with, with the fact that we're going to go to heaven or, or go to our eternal home once again by faith. Isn't that true? However, when it comes to the word to in verse 17 there where he said from start to finish, guess what? It's a different story right there, isn't it? It, it, see, it's in the middle where we live our everyday lives. That's where we struggle. That's where we wrestle. Well, that's where we contend. That's where we strive with this thing called faith. That it's in the middle of that, that daily challenge to do what Habakkuk said. That Man, that's the challenge. Can we really live continuously, keyword, by faith? Is that not true? So let, let me tell you why I believe this is such a challenge. I believe it's a challenge in the middle because, it, you see, it's in the middle where we're bombarded by the pressures of this life. It's in the middle that our hearts and minds are constantly attacked by the enemy and the way this world system does things. See, it's, it's even in the middle there where the church world comes and they try to overcomplicate and over-spiritualize uh, what faith really is. You ever notice that? Church people can make this thing so difficult. If you believe that, say Amen. Listen, that it's there in the middle, guess what? That's where we wrestle with our old thought patterns and our old belief systems. It's in the middle where the spirit and the flesh are contrary to one another with what Paul says where they're warring against one another. So, so when we put all that together, and here's really the point, we realize this, that, that because we're born again, it's true. Faith is in our hearts, right? That, that faith is in our hearts. But if we're honest with ourselves, we would say, you know what, but it's not there alone. Are you following me today? Listen, the truth is, is that there's not a person in this room, if we would get honest, that hasn't struggled or isn't struggling with thoughts and feelings of fear, of anxiety, of worry, of doubt, of unbelief, and even depression. Even if we don't want to admit it. 
listen, for some of us in this room, I want you to know that it hasn't just stopped at, uh, you know, just struggling with it. it here's the truth. B- because we struggle with it, the enemy likes to come to us and tell us because we're wrestling in that, that that's because we don't have enough faith. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of Christians that are great at heaping that condemnation on you too. Right to tell you that you don't have enough faith. In fact, let, let, let me even say this to you. Jen and I know some ministers that, man, travel all over the place preaching the gospel. And they're from a, a world that really stands on faith. And there's a lot of truth in that world. But years ago, I'm, I'm guessing maybe 15 years ago now, their, their like seven, eight-year-old daughter died. Okay, so they're sitting there. Watch this. The day of the funeral the guy, the pastor that I know, is, is standing by his daughter's casket, okay, his baby girl. He's got two sons that were older, and his baby girl, this man that's from their, their world, walks up to him at the funeral and says, well, you must have not had enough faith. Can you imagine? You can imagine the emotions that was going on in that daddy's head. So, so here's the thing, though. The enemy likes to come to some of us, and he says, because you don't have enough faith, guess what? You let God down. And that's so true. And what's so wild about it is the moment that we come in agreement with that lie, it's like, man, guilt and shame come crashing down on us like a tidal wave. Isn't that so true? But I want you to know it's kind of because of all those things that we're talking about. That's why the middle can be so, so, so difficult. It can be such a difficult place to live through. And the reason is, is because our faith is constantly being challenged and it's constantly, uh, you, you know, it's like the enemy is constantly just trying to overthrow our faith. Right? He's trying to get us to, to back away from what Habakkuk told us or what God told us. So let me maybe do this, and not to just uh, belabor the point here, but just so we can kind of get a better grasp of this. If I could describe what the middle looks like, it would be like this. Sometimes that we resemble David, that, that we find ourselves with a Goliath-sized problem on the battlefield of life, and even though everyone around us is shaking in their boots, not us. Right? It's like, man, we pick up our little slingshot, we pick up our little five smooth stones, and with great confidence and faith in our God, we run to slay the giant that stands in the way of our destiny. And, that, and that, man, that's great moments, right? We've all had them in this room. You know, sometimes we resemble Daniel. We find ourselves in the lion's den of life where we know the enemy of our souls on the prowl, right? We feel him breathing on our neck. Man, we smell him in the air. And, and, and you know, we just know that darkness is closing in around us. But in spite of all that danger that surrounds us, it's like we know God's in control. So what do we do? We cast our cares upon God and we sleep in peace. Anybody ever been there? It's just like I know that all hell is breaking, breaking all around me, man. It's chaos. But, man, God really, he, he, he's got this thing. If he can hold the world together by faith, right, the universe, then he can hold my little life together. And that, so I go to sleep, right? But then there's other times in the middle of our faith walk where we resemble Abraham and Sarah. Watch this. That we receive this amazing promise from God because we've all got it because God's got a plan for our life. And even though we receive this amazing promise from God concerning our future, because it doesn't necessarily come to pass as quickly as we like, we decide to take matters into our own hands. We try to accomplish it through our works, through our flesh. Anybody ever been there? And so what happens is, is guess what? We fall flat on our face and then we kind of have to wake up to the fact that our lack of patience was greater than our faith. Right? And then sometimes, man, we find ourselves resembling Peter. That we find ourselves, you know, hearing Jesus, Jesus has come, so we step out of the boat, and guess what? Everything's going great. And then out of nowhere, the waves of trouble, right, and this life begin to rise. And because I begin to take my eyes off Jesus and I don't continue to move forward in faith, what happens is, once again, the waves of fear, the wave of anxiety, the waves of worry begin to overtake our hearts. And once again, because I lost focus of the one who originally called me out of the boat, what happens is, is I find myself sinking. And into a sea of emotions and a sea of despair. 
So true. This, sometimes we even find ourselves like this, and I know uh, at church folk, we don't like to admit this, but man, we even find ourselves acting like Thomas sometimes. You know, we may not say it, but in our hearts we think this, man, if I don't see the holes in his hands, and if I can't put my hand in his side, guess what? I'm not going to believe it. And ultimately, we find ourselves not living from a position of faith. We find ourselves living from a position of what we can see. That I'll only believe if I can see it. I'll only believe if I can sense it. I'll only believe if, I can, you know, if it's in my sight. Instead of, once again, by faith. He said we live by faith, not by sight, right? And then, of course, there's, there's I'm going to give you two more. Then, of course, there's times where, in spite of our past victories in the kingdom, because once again, we've all had them, we find ourselves, uh, you know, feeling like Elijah sitting under that tree, moping and, and complaining and griping and feeling basically like we're a cloud of depression has just overwhelmed us. And we're just sitting there saying, man, I'm all alone. And man, even God's left me. Then lastly, and and if you've never had this, you're lying, right? If you say that you've never had this, that there's been times where we find ourselves even wondering our hearts like John the Baptist, and we're saying this, man, is Jesus really who he says he is? Man, is God really real? Does prayer really work? Right? To even look and go, man, uh, you know, uh, are those words even powerful as, as people say they are? You know, the powerful in the pages of that book right there. Anybody ever been there? Listen, I will, I will say to you today, you know, my 20 years of walking with God, I have experienced every one of those on multiple occasions. Right? So I sell that to say this, not to, uh, once again, not to just go on and on and on about it, but, but I really sell this to, to hopefully encourage you. And this simple fact, everybody look here, that you're not alone. That's it. Watch this. Here's the really awesome part, because here's what I think is so cool about the Word of God. God could have easily went, you know what, I'm just going to give everybody's uh, success stories in here, right? All their highlights, true? It's like today, if you kind of, you know, I've talked to you young people in the room today. It's like we love social media, but who puts their bad days on there? Everybody hits their highlights. You know, there's some people that put it on there, you know, in whatever busted moments. And anyways, but most people, man, they want to hit the highlights. They, they, they want to, let me say it this way. For you married folks, they want to take that, that pretty little picture of them and their wife all snuggled up. And, and, you know, it's a good day, a happy moment. But they don't, they don't put the picture on there after they just got in a fight. Right? It, it, so, so, so much of social media is fake. And I love the fact that God's not fake. He's real. And, and so here's the thing that, that the point that I'm trying to make to you is that some of the godliest people that's ever walked the face of this earth have struggled in the middle. So we're not alone. Amen? That's encouraging, right? So, so, so not only encourage you, but watch this. Here's, the, here's still the challenge that's in this, is that God would have never instructed us to live by faith. He, only, he didn't just say it in Habakkuk and Romans, but he also said in Galatians, and he also said in Hebrews. He said it four times in the Bible that the just shall live by faith. But, but he wouldn't have said that if he didn't expect us to do it. And, and he wouldn't have said that if he didn't expect us to somehow grow into our faith. And I know that sounds weird that says grow into our faith, but, but watch this. Let, let me, uh, whatever, Carl, come here. I pick on you, man. You, you're my friend. So come here. Come on, come on, come on. I love this, dude. But, but watch this. You, you know, I really wanted to say to grow in our faith, right? But as I was saying, the word grow into just wouldn't leave me alone. So here's kind of what I mean by that it, is look at this strapping young lad right here. This guy, look, look, I, this man's helped me move twice. This joker could pick up a Volkswagen, all right? I'm telling you. And, and I'm like, man, a Tonka truck. You know, that's me, right? Okay? So, so here, here's what I mean by this is, is, you know, Carl's a lot stronger than me. Much better looking. Much better hair. I mean, this, I mean, this guy's on it, right? So, so, uh, so anyways, but so here's the thing, though. In, in Carl's body, guess what? He doesn't have one more muscle than I have. 
Okay? In other words, God didn't somehow bless him with extra muscles to make him stronger than me. Uh, but basically what happens is, is because of what he does for a living versus what I do for a living, uh, th- this man uses those things and I don't use those things. Right? And, and, and so what happens is, is, guess what? We all, here's my point. We all start at the same place. But, but the more we exercise our faith, the stronger we're going to be. And, and, and listen, the, 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 more, the more responsibility we have in the kingdom and, and just in life in general, guess what? It, it, it causes us to uh, have to hold up more weight and more responsibility, and it makes our spiritual muscles stronger. So here's where a lot of Christians make the mistake. They go, you know what? Well, well if I was like so-and-so, then I could have... There is no difference. Right? You, you know, I, I love reading stories of just powerhouse guys. But, but there's a humbling thing that at the end of the day, you, you know, in fact, I remember this. I remember one day saying, God, I, I, I want to I have basically the, the kind of anointing that this preacher has. When, you know, a guy that I think can preach the wallpaper off the wall. And I remember hearing the Lord clear as a bell. He said this, are you willing to pay the price that he's paid? Why? Because he had to exercise his spiritual muscles to get where he's at. Give that guy a hand. He did awesome. And just so, so here's the thing. So once again, today, wherever we're at, guess what? Can we grow into our faith? It doesn't matter how old we are, right, or how young we are. We, there's still room to grow. So I'll say this from experience. As we grow in our faith, okay, here's what happens. As we grow in our faith, our faith will gradually uproot fear and anxiety and worry and doubt and unbelief and depression. Man, that's so true. In fact, it's kind of this. Uh, you know, as I've progressed in the kingdom, man, there's things that I do now that I would have never done 15 years ago. Ever. I was too scared. Right? But, but what happens is, is as you grow in your faith and you begin to get an idea of who God is and how he works and all those things, you realize that you're not really stepping out there on your own. you gotta, you got uh, somebody backing you. And so it kind of adds confidence. Once again, it kind of removes all that fear stuff. Am I making sense to you guys? So, so listen, when, when all that stuff begins to uh, be uprooted in our lives, uh, th- that's what allows us to more and more, once again, walk by faith, talk by faith, act by faith, raise our kids by faith. For you ladies, raise your husbands by faith. For you men, to, to, to train your wives by faith. <laughs> Y'all didn't appreciate that one. But... but... <laughs> But basically, have a faith-centered marriage. But once again, it's to do business by faith. It's to go to school by faith, to steward our money by faith, right? To have relationships by faith, to pray by faith, worship, study the Bible. Listen, there's not an area that faith can't touch. Why? Because faith is the centerpiece of our walk with God. So the more faith we get in our lives, guess what? The more our lives are going to change. Are y'all with me? In other words, it's, it's so, so often we walk into situations, and we walk into situation basically thinking that, it, man, it's just us. It's what I got. It's not what I got. It's what the kingdom's got. It, you know, I, the only thing I can liken to, and I've told you before, I, I, remember, I remember sitting in my office with a young man one day and, and trying to encourage him to go to the military. And he was scared to death. This kid was going nowhere in life. Uh, he had tons of authority issues. He had issues with his mom, issues with his dad. Couldn't get along with a brick. And I thought, man, the best place for you to go is find you a drill sergeant, brother. <laughs> right? Because Uncle Sam will help you get some of that. So, so I encouraged him. And he was so scared that he would have to go into action. He didn't want to go in the military. So scared. But, but here's, what I, here's what I learned that day is he, he viewed war from an untrained mind. 
you know, and then I get around buddies that, that are, you know, they're, they're special forces, you know, they're operators, right? And you hang out with those guys, do you think they're afraid? <laughs> no. You, you know, in fact, I had one guy, I, I asked him one time, I said, man, I bet you guys are praying. He said, Pastor, he said, the only people that are praying on the battlefield are people who don't know God. Because why? Because once again, he said, basically, because I have this walk with God, I'm not afraid to go in there. Am I making sense, you guys? So, so often in life when issues arise, guess what? We approach it from an untrained, biblically untrained mind. Instead of understanding that the Bible says, man, here's, the, here's how we war. He prepares what? Our, our hands for, for our fingers for battle and our hands for war. Am I making sense? So I step in that situation once again. Not, you know, it's, we mentioned David earlier. Not, it's not by us, not by might, not by, but by the spirit of right. Come in the army of the Lord. Amen. All right, so, amen. All right, let me see where I want to go. Let's do this. Give me a few more minutes. And uh, what I want to share with you is I want to share, uh, I, I gave you guys four. I added one earlier. So I want to give you five, five truths, five uh, just practical things about faith. Because the truth is, is if you've ever studied faith, man, we could be here for days. Okay, so we're going to try to keep it simple on purpose. And, uh, and, and by practical, my goal is this, is I want to give you something that you can put in your pocket when you leave here. Just something that kind of operates in your everyday life, okay? And like I said, these are really simple. But think maybe, man, do I really do them? Here we go. Number one, number one, there are no substitutes for faith. So simple, but so true. There are no substitutes for faith. What do I mean? Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without what? Faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. The word please there, I've told you before, it actually means in the Greek language, it's impossible to basically walk with God, to be in agreement with God. Okay, It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe or must have faith that he is. So here's my point in this. Is over the years, I've witnessed a lot of people trying to please God from the basis of something other than faith. Well, this is going to make sense to you when I say this, that, that, they tried to, uh, that they tried to somehow please God by their morals. How many people said, well, I'm a good person, right? That they tried to please God with their good works. Well, well, I do nice things for people, right? Or they say this, man, well, I go to church once a month, right? Well, I, you know, man, I got charitable giving. You know, I, pr- I pray. I pray. I had a guy tell me that the other day. I, I, I pray. I said, like, okay, that's good, <laughs> you, you know, um, or, or some religious activity. But, but here's the truth, guys. Don't miss this. Is that, is that the Bible makes it really clear. Without faith, all of those activities, guess what? Uh, if they're missing faith, once again, they're not acceptable to God. There is no substitute for faith. If you and I are going to walk with God, it must be from a position of faith. Second one, once again, really simple. If we're going to walk by faith, I think we need to understand what it is. <clears throat> Because we've definitely been taught that, that faith is a lot of different things. Okay, and we won't get into all that today. But, man, you, you, can, you can find yourself in a ditch quick right there. But, but faith is this. Number two, faith is not a leap. Faith is not a leap. Um, how many of you guys have heard over the years people say, man, I took a leap of blind faith? Anybody ever heard that? I took a leap of blind faith. And, and this may sound really weird to make sense in my head. Hopefully it will make sense in your head. But in essence, when people are saying that, that, what they're unknowingly saying is this, is that I put faith in my faith. Does that make sense? That, that it's, you know, I took a, in other words, that, that, that as I just jumped out there, man, I just I had enough faith myself that we're going to be able to grab a hold of something. 
right? Does that make sense? So, you know, it's this, so as Christians, man, we should understand that our faith isn't in this, uh, you know, let's jump and see what happens moment, right? Rather, our faith is in someone who is steady, who is faithful, who is proven, who is unchanging, and that's God and God alone. Man, that's a great place to say amen, okay? So, listen, the truth is, is that, uh, you know, I might not see what's around the next corner, Right? I might not. I might not know all the details of the next season of my life. But guess what? I do know whose hand I'm holding on to. And I do know who's leading me around that corner. Right? So, so it's kind of this. It's like, it means this. Take a notes. That faith is basically rooted in this. It's rooted in his promises and his character. It's rooted in his promises and his character. Well, pastor, I don't know what his promises are. And I don't know what his character is. It, all you have to do is this. Open this book. Begin to read it because it's clearly seen. Because everybody listen to me here. This book is nothing more than an extension of who he is. Because why? Because he is the word. And so if you want to know the promises of God and the character of God, read this. Amen? If, if, to, make it, to make it more simple for you, go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read Jesus. Because Jesus came to declare the Father. And so if you can get a good idea of who Jesus is, you can get a really good idea of who the Father is. So for definition's sake, here we go. Look at this. It's up on the screen. True faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do everything he has promised to do. So simple, right? That true faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he said he would do. Okay, so watch this. Talking about making it simple for us. That every day in our life... When I face a situation or when I just get up every day in the morning, guess what? That, that I approach whatever's on my to-do list today and really simple this. If here's who God is and here's who he said he'd be. Here's what he said he'd do. That simple. Right? And that's how I begin to live in faith. Okay? And we'll talk about that more in a second. But let me show you this verse kind of with that definition in mind. Listen to what Paul said about Abraham in Romans 4, 20 through 21. It says, it says Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, okay? Notice, through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Here's key verse 21. And being fully convinced, or your version may say, fully persuaded, right? That what he, talking about God, had promised, he was also able to perform. Man, that's so good. That, that's simply that. I mean, God is able to perform what he said. So, so, last thing here in this point. So, our faith is simply this. It's simply a response into who we believe God is. If our faith is a response to who God is, we better know who God is. Yeah. Right? Because, because listen, there, there's a lot of people. I've met a lot of people in 20 years of doing this that, guess what? They say, man, I don't, I don't really want Jesus and when you get really down to it when they don't want Jesus and they begin to describe who Jesus is, it doesn't line up with the Bible. Their faith isn't rooted in the Word, right? And so they're rejecting someone of who he's not. They're not, they're not rejecting the real thing. They're rejecting a fake idea, okay? So, all right, here we go. What number are we on here? Number three. Here we go. This one's a little bit longer. Number three, faith is not limited. Faith is not limited. Uh, I'm going to get in your grits here a little bit on this one, so just get ready, okay? But uh, so many people act like faith is limited to these uh, huge crisis moments in life. That, that, that it's like, man, I, you know, th- it's in, faith is only, only uh, you know, needed in these desperate situations where it's kind of like, oh, my God, we need a miracle and we need it now kind of moments. Anybody ever been in one of those? Okay. Now, now, listen, obviously we need faith in those moments, yes? But when Habakkuk said that we shall live by faith, he wasn't just referring to the big moments in life. 
Okay, so the reason I say that is because so so much of the church and 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 what they're saying is accurate, but it's not the whole picture. That they, they, they think faith just has to do with miracles, and and yes, but that's not the total truth. Okay, so so once again, Jesus is in our everyday walking around life, and we got to grab a hold of that. But but. It's basically this, that the Bible teaches us this, that, that we need to apply our faith to every area of our lives. And so, so think about this, that we need to apply faith, or do we apply faith, to the little, common, and insignificant things in our lives that we don't consider as spiritual. Here's why I say this. is because it's so easy to get in a routine. Let me back up and say what, what it really is. When you started your job at first, you were like, God, you got to help me. Right? But, but now that you're six years into it and you feel really comfortable... You'll never even think about asking for help. Right? Because we think we got it. But Jesus is saying, you know what, I want you to invite me even in that. Right? So, so listen, listen, in fact, to how Jesus views this. And I hope nobody thinks I'm, you know, pulling this out of context. It's just hear me with an open heart. He said this in Luke 16, 10 through 11. He says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Watch this. And if you are trustworthy about worldly, untrustworthy about worldly wealth, worldly wealth, it says, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Okay, watch this. So staying in context of what Jesus is talking about here, we're going to talk about finances for a minute. Okay, I don't talk about this a whole lot. And I'll talk about a whole lot intentionally, but we're going to talk about it today because I feel prompted to. Um, you know, I know this, that in my, in my 39 years, I have, I have yet to meet a man or a woman that likes to talk about what's in their purse or in their wallet. And I'm one of those. Okay, I get it, right? Are y'all with me? Y'all, y'all, like, y'all like this. Great. Come on. You're funny, babe. All right, anyways, so... So it's kind of like this. It's like so many people act like with, when it comes to their money, man, that's a no-fly zone. Don't talk about it. And, 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 you know, it's like they don't want people to talk about it. They don't even want God to be included in it. It's so true. But, but, but here's the thing I want you guys to see is that if we're going to walk in faith, it, it's really obvious according to Scripture that when it comes to money, God labels that. Watch this. That God labels money under the category of the little things. Now, isn't it funny here that something that's really big to us is really little to God? Right? We, we think so different than the kingdom sometimes. But, but here's what Jesus is saying. Once again, I'm trying to give you this context of the whole Bible, so don't freak out on me, okay? But, but when we, Jesus is saying this, that when we give our tithe, which is 10% of, of basically, once again, not after Uncle Sam has taken it, but before Uncle Sam touches it, off the top, first fruits, okay? And, and, and once again, when we give 10% of our income, and when we give our offering, which is anything above that 10%, here's what we're saying to God. Don't miss the heart of this. That when I give my tithe, as far as when, when, when us as a family, the, when, you know, the first thing we give is to this church, right? And then our offerings that go out to other ministries. We're saying this to God. That I realize that the money that I have in my bank account is a gift from you. And the reason I understand it's a gift from God is because he's the one that's given me the ability to have this job. Are you following me? And your job, okay? So, so in, in any moment, guess what? That could be gone. So God gives me the bit. So, so it, is, it is his money, right? And, and I understand this. I say that, God, I understand that I am a steward of everything you have given me. Everything. I'm a steward of my kids, steward of my wife, steward of my house, my car, and especially the money that you've given me. Are you all following me? So, so this is my heart when it comes to this. So, God, by giving this tithe, by giving this offering, God, I'm declaring that I'm putting my faith in you as my source and my provider. Are you all following me? 
to understand that he is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Amen? So watch this. And on the other hand, when we withhold our tithe and offerings, we're saying this. We're saying, in fact, the exact opposite. God, this is my money. You had nothing to do with it. Therefore, you can't tell me what to do with it. I will use it as I choose because ultimately I know I can't trust you to be my source and to be my provider. I can't trust you to take care of my family, so I'm going to do it. But, but I want you to know today that, listen, obviously I'm not making this up, not manipulating you. It's the simple truth, gang, right? It's the Bible. If you've studied it, it's the Bible. And so many people, let me maybe throw this out there to help you. Well, that's under the law. Can I help you all out real quick? Can I help you all out? Because I'm going to show you where the lie is at, all right? Uh, p- people who are greedy and stingy, stingy say, well that's, uh, well, that's under the law. The only problem with that is, is Abraham gave it to Melchizedek, who was a uh, messianic type. Okay, he was, a, he was actually what you call, if you want to get theological, a uh, Christophany, which means Christ appearing. Okay, and, and he was the one that was, watch this, he's the only person in the Bible that's ever been king and priest, Melchizedek. And Jesus is king and priest. He offered him bread and wine, which is communion. He's the, uh, he was the king of Salem, which means, Salem means peace, so he's the prince of peace. Are y'all following me? It goes deep here, okay? And, and, and he gave, Abraham gave him the tithe way before there was ever a law. So it's not under the law. <laughs> Making sense? All right. So, so anyway, so, so here we are. I want you to, let me maybe say this in a real practical way. In my 20 years of being a Christian, I've never met a person that consistently gives their tithe and offerings that doesn't live from abundance. Now, now, let me help you, okay? Because you can turn on Christian TV today, and, and they have miscruited abundance greatly, okay? Let me tell you what abundance is. Let me give you a, a, a picture here. I'm going to pick on Naomi here for a minute. Let's say, oh, my God. So let's say, Na, let's say Naomi uh, basically needs $15 worth of groceries. So she goes to the grocery store, and she has $10. That is basically going shopping with insufficiency, Okay, let's say that she needs $15 of groceries and she has $15 in her purse. That is, fishing, uh, that is shopping from uh, sufficiency. But let's say she goes to the store and she needs $15 worth of groceries, but she goes with $20 in her purse. That's abundance. See, abundance is simply this, is that God provides enough for us to take care of our needs, and then we have the ability to help others that have need. That's abundance. And uh, so that's God's heart because the Bible says that God delights in the prosperity of his servants. Yes? Amen. So, so all I'm trying to really say here is this, is, is that a, another reflection of our faith is, is simply this, is once again, that our giving is a reflection of our faith. Do we really believe he, that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he said he'll do? Now, let me kind of shift gears here and give you this question and uh, get you guys feeling a little better about yourself. All right? So whew, all right, we made it. I'm done. Okay, here we go. Is this? Think about what would happen if think about what would happen if we begin to apply faith or invite God into every detail of our lives. Think about that for a second. Is that what's this? If we actually invited God into our homes, if we actually invited God into our marriages, into our job, into our businesses, into our finances, into our relationships, into our hobbies. Watch this. I say hobbies this. Let me just tell you something. My, my son, uh, what, two Saturdays ago, uh, tried out for his first soccer team. Okay, I was like, all right, son, here we go, right? He, he, got, he got invited to come try out. And, and so uh, I said, all right, had a, little, had a little pep talk with him before j- just to uh, kind of help him out because he was scared to go. And, uh, and we got in the car, and, uh, and I said, hey, man, look, when we get to the pitch, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. And he's like, okay, Dad, right? <laughs> 
So, so we get there, and I, and I tell the man just to sit on the console, and Jen's with me, and we just lay hands on our kid and just pray for him. And, and not, we didn't pray God help him make the team. We prayed God just uh, help him do the best of his ability, protect him in it, and uh, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and Caden goes, Caden goes, why are you praying? Right? And I said, son, I pray about everything. And I told him, I said, I said son, I pray every Thursday night before I go play soccer. Why? I said, well, first of all, I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> Too old for this thing, right? I don't want to get hurt. And I said, secondly, I, I, I said, I don't want to be uh, too competitive, right? So, so I want to have the right heart, the right mind when I'm out there. And third is I pray because why? Because I want to bring glory while I'm out there. That's really why I'm there. It's, it's great to burn some calories and be sore as I'll get out the next day and I hardly want to get out of bed. But, but you know, that's fine, right? But, but the main reason is because I, I want to show the glory of God while I'm there to people. Am I making sense? And so, anyways, so, so what would happen if we invited him even into our hobbies? And, and let me maybe say this. What if we even invited him into our eating habits? Right? Because watch this. Understand this. And, and, and I'm not picking on overweight people because you can be skinny fat too. All right? You, you get what I'm saying? In other words, you can be just out of shape, period. But, but, but here's what I mean by this. Is you realize that the Bible says this? It's, uh, basically, Paul tells us to even eat in faith. That's how detailed God gets with all this. And basically what he's saying is, yes, there's a part of eating in faith that it's out of gratitude. But there's also this part where, yes, I'm thankful for it. And yes, that, that it helps me have strength to do God's glory and all that. But there's a part of that God is saying this. I have a plan for your life, and that, that requires longevity. And if you eat like crap, you're going to die before your time. And guess what? You're going to miss out on what I had for you. You know, how many, how many people say this, that, that what they do is is instead of, instead of having a position of faith and walking to God, they go, here's how they deal with problems. Let me go eat. Yeah. Right? Or they go, I'm bored. Let me eat. That's me. All right? Um, I, I love me some popcorn. Not going to lie. It's my jam. Let's watch a TV show and eat popcorn. So anyways, but, but the, you know, there's times I get, I get convicted about that because I'm like, man, am, am I eating because I'm hungry or am I eating just because I want to eat something? Right, and, and so what happens is, is guess what? Is is even in that God is saying it's no different than people who just want to run and drink alcohol, that that they escape. God is saying, can you have faith and just come and be with me? Am I making sense? Because once again, it's about health and longevity in life. All right, I'm going to say this. <laughs> if you're a kid, plug your ears. Okay, so. Uh, can I be honest with y'all? So, uh, I feel really odd saying this. My, with your father-in-law's in the room, it's kind of awkward. Um, but but you, you know you know what? That's good. That's good. I appreciate that. It's this. Watch this. Watch this. On a serious note, I even I even asked the Lord, God, anoint me for sex. No words. Give me. Uh, watch this. Here's why. Because it's an important part of marriage, and and, and you know we don't like to talk about it. But, but listen, it can ruin a marriage. And there's that side that, God, I, I want to, I want to uh, approach this and not make it all about me. I want it to be about my wife. I want to serve her in this. Are y'all following me? I hope I'm not getting weird for y'all. Y'all like, oh, Jesus. But, 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 but listen, there, there's times where, once again, am I making sense? Be, because, because why? Because we can be healthy in finances. We can be healthy in communication. But if we're not healthy there, we got problems. So why would I invite God there and there and not there? Are y'all following me? All right. Bless y'all. Okay? It'll improve it. Just so you know. And that went over y'all's head. That's not TMI. Listen, it's not a, listen, Jesus created it. 
Okay, and if we think it's gross and nasty, we got a problem. All right, because that's how we're wired by God. But in the context, right, of, of once again, I have to say this because of the way the church is going, in marriage. Okay, everybody hear that, right? Impurity, yes. Yes. All right, here we go. Now that, kids, you can unplug your ears. My, anyways, I don't care. It is. You, you need to learn all that, plain and simple. All right, here we go. I need to hurry up, y'all. Here's basically the point. I'll give you two points, and we'll be done. It is, basically, it's this. If it's, God is saying this, that, man, if you'll trust me with a little, guess what? I can release a lot to you. Let me, let me give you one more analogy, and I'll be done. Because I think this is funny. How many times have I heard people in the last 20 years in church, they say, you know what, Pastor, if I was a millionaire, I'd pay off that church. <laughs> if I was a millionaire, I'd do this, and I'd do this, and I'd do that. And, you, you know, but they don't take their $1,000 they get a month, and they don't tithe off of it. So why would God ever release a million dollars to them? Am I making sense to you guys? It's, it's, it's like, the, you know, here's really, I'll go ahead and give the fifth point here. So we'll skip the fourth one. I'll give you the fifth one. Then we'll go to the fourth one. It's this. It's, it's, faith is only faith when there's action attached to it. Okay? Faith has action. Faith has movement. Faith has, you know, there's something we do. It's an action verb, right? And so, so many people say, say once again, that, that money deal. Or, or they'll say this, Lord Jesus, use me. Use me for your glory. And then they don't ever do anything. Watch this. They come and they sit in church. Jesus, use me. Use me for your glory. Then the pastor says, hey, we have a need here. Mm, that's not me. That's not me. Lord, I'm just waiting to feel led. <laughs> Am I making sense? And, man, it's so true. And guess what? That, that kind of person that can't ever attach legs to his faith will do nothing for the kingdom of God. Ever. Ever, okay? Because when, let, me, let me say this. If we, if we can't, if we can't uh, meet the, some of the smallest needs in the church, God will never trust us with some responsibility to do it. Amen? Yeah. All right, here's your fourth point. We're out of here, right? Number four, God wants us to be known for our faith. God wants us to be known for our faith. Here's why I say this. In 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says that the people in Thessalonica were known for their faith. How awesome is that? So the question I have for you, just kind of end today, is this. Is what are you known for? What are you known for? You, you, you know, um, I, I know people in our town. I'll tell you what they're known for. They're known for their temper. I've met people in this town that they're known for their attitude, and it's not a positive one. They haven't read John Maxwell's book, okay, how to have a positive attitude. They got a bad attitude. Uh, you know, are we known for our talents? Are we known for our sense of humor? Are we known for our work ethic? What, you know, what are we known for? The goal should be this, that we should be known by our faith. Right? And, and watch this. It, it's this. When I learn to apply this faith into the simple things of life, the everyday details of our life, guess what? After a while, they accumulate, and that's what I begin to be known by. Does that make sense, y'all? And the reason that you go, okay, okay, Pastor, that's corny. But, but listen, the reason I say that to you is this, is because guess what? Uh, your talent is never going to defeat the enemy. Do you understand that? Your positive attitude is never going to defeat the enemy. Your sense of humor is never going to defeat the enemy. Right? Right? The only thing that will defeat your enemy is faith. Look at what the Bible says right here. First John 5, 4 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world. Who's behind this evil world? It's the devil. The Bible says that he is the little God, the little G of this world. Okay? The devil. It says, and we achieve, we achieve this victory through what? Faith. It's really that simple. 
Amen? So, so watch this. I say all that to say this there. Everybody look here, okay? Just for a minute, we'll be done. I tell you all this today, so hopefully this, this, thing, this idea of faith won't be some elusive thing that you're trying to, uh, trying to uh, you know, uh, ascend to, that you're somehow trying to get a badge for, that, that bless God, I can quote 500 scriptures. I know people can quote 500 scriptures, but don't believe a word of it. Right? Are you with me? They, 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 you know, you read all day long, God heals, but I don't really believe that. <laughs> do you believe it or do you not believe it? Well, you know, uh, my washing machine's broken. I just tell you what, the, the, the God's just trying to teach me something. What Bible are you reading, bro? Am I making sense, y'all? It, it's, uh, man, I, I'm amazed. I'm amazed how often we, we, we blame the devil's work on God. <laughs> if it's stealing, killing, destroying, it's the devil, y'all. Okay? Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. It doesn't mean that we won't ever have problems, but he said, once again, be encouraged for I've overcome it. So tap into him. So, so once again, it's just the reason it's just changing our mindset of how we do life. Now, once again, I, I will say this: once again, the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But but that hearing by the word of God ain't going to do you any good unless you believe it. Here's here's the simple thing: some of you guys are super analytical. Not everybody, but some of y'all are super analytical, and you need to figure it out. Uh, how about just believing it? Just believe it. I, you know, I, I I used to work with a guy, and I loved what he said. I mean, this guy was brilliant. But uh, he used to say this. He'd say, uh, the Bible is first a book to be believed, second to be understood. Amen? So just take him at his word. He said what he meant, he meant what he said. Just believe it. It's like a child, right? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Worship team, you guys come on, go ahead and come up. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you some quick announcements because I forgot to do that earlier. And, uh, and then we'll let these guys sing us a little jam, and we can leave, okay? Awesome. If you don't mind, just close your eyes um, and let's pray. Father, I just believe today that there's not a person in this room um, that couldn't have more faith in their life. God, none of us have arrived. None of us have, you know, ascended to the, the faith mountain. And so, Lord, I'm just asking today, God, that whatever of those four or five areas, God, whatever it is and anything that was said today from your heart, Father, I just pray today, God, that it wouldn't just encourage us, but it would also challenge us, challenge us uh, j- just to, once again, go back to the basics, to, to live continuously by faith. And, Lord, I'm asking that, um, God, that you would show us the areas that we're not. See, the, let me just kind of keep your, your eyes closed. The reason that's important is because Paul not only said that we should live by faith, right? Quoting Habakkuk, but he also said this. He said, everything that we don't do by faith is what? Sin. Did y'all know that? That the things that we don't do by faith are sin. I didn't want to major on that today, but, 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 there, but there's a, you can look at the positive and the negative, however which way you want to look at it, but it really all boils down to this, is that everything has to come from faith. That's simple. So, Father, we just ask today, God, that faith would be a greater centerpiece in our lives today, God, that it would be a focus. And, God, the things that we do that aren't in faith uh, today, God, we just ask, God, that you would help us to turn it and, and to let it be faith. And so that faith would drive out depression, drive out doubts and unbelief and fear. God, that, that we would begin to say, you know what, Lord, we, we invite, your, uh, invite you into every detail of our marriage, every detail of raising our kids, uh, every detail of our home, all of our relationships, our business, our jobs. Uh, God, whatever it is in our life, our hobbies, God, we just invite you in all of that. We invite you to come and just be the King and the Lord of every moment. In Jesus' name, amen.